Hello, everybody, and welcome here to the Talk That Talk show with me, Barry Holmes. And, you know, we've been experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties, which have set us back as far as having to get this show started at 7 p.m. So I apologize for the late start. Um, We had a little bit of difficulties where our microphone is not working. Um, We've been trying to troubleshoot everything for the past half hour, 45 minutes. Um, So the mic is not working. We're actually going off of a laptop mic right now. Um, I debated about whether I should postpone the show um, for, for lack of, you know, audio quality. But, you know, we kind of talk about the resilience and what it takes to talk that talk. And um, there was going to be nothing that was going to stop me from delivering this show today. Uh, As you can see, I don't have headphones on because we don't have the microphone. Feedback is obviously not going to be as great as we've had in the past couple episodes. But, you know, the thing about being resilient and being adaptive and trying to, you know, make things work is you just have to try and find a way. I know that my listeners, you know, really, how could I say, they they look forward to this every Tuesday, 7 p.m., and it's my job to be able to deliver that. Whether the sound quality isn't as great as we would like it to, the show must go on. Shout out to Kevin Rosa for being out there listening in, as always. Gotta shout you out, brother. Um, Always shout out to Crystal Dice, who's always talking to me at our our sponsors, uh, I guess, store at VW Liquors. She's always giving me different um, feedback and just supporting the show. I also want to give a shout out to my boy Z Sean, who is always giving the beats for this show. Um, Like we said, the show must go on. And regardless of whether we have a microphone, whether the technical difficulties are in our way, we're just going to push through and deliver that talk, that talk show. Because it's Tuesday, and it's our favorite time of the week. So one of the things that I saw, as far as, you know, the top news uh, thing that I've seen also on Twitter and some other things, but they said that, you know, the NCAA is going to look towards, you know, creating some rule changes in place to maybe get those college players to gain some sort of compensation off their likeness and off of their name. And I think this is a huge step for you know athletes that are playing in the NCAA because a lot of the times what we see is we are the ones that are watching these huge huge tournaments as far as you know the Big East tournament as far as the NCAA tournament and we step away from basketball you, you got lacrosse shout out to my boy Mike Tibbs he's a huge lacrosse fan and some of those games that happen you know during the NCAA tournament with lacrosse are some huge huge games and huge televised things so I think a lot of the times with these athletes they're put on this huge platform for them to you know perform on we get networks that are paying you know thousands millions of dollars to showcase their uh their games you got the SEC network which has its own television station um you have the Big Ten network which has its own television station um So you're seeing these conferences that are benefiting heavily off of these players. So I think it's only right that they do get a chance to get their own type of compensation from these teams, from the the colleges. Because at the end of the day, if we have some, you know, student athletes that are struggling just to eat lunch, 
and you have people that are sitting up in the front office or in those admissions that are, you know, just reaping the benefits from these people. Because a lot of the times when you're talking about recruitment of these colleges, a lot of them are putting the athletes at the forefront of their colleges. I mean, I can tell you for Duke, a lot of people are going to want to go there because of Mike Krzyzewski and the, the longstanding uh, tradition of the, the Blue, Duke, Blue Devils. So it's, it's about time that these players are at least at least let's get the, the conversation started. So I'm very happy that the NCAA is stepping up here to try and give at least some sort of solution or trying to make one for these athletes to get compensated because it's 2019 and the NCAA is making a lot of money off these athletes. So let's hope that they come to a, a conclusion very soon. Um, one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk about um, over this uh, past weekend, there was, uh, if you didn't get a chance to see that Toronto game, uh, you really missed out on one of the best game sevens of all time. Um, it had all the dramatic flair. It had everything that you could have asked for in uh, a game seven. Um, Kawhi Leonard, you know, scores over 40 points in that game. And, you know, you had both teams that were just truly fighting and going neck and neck. And um, even when the, the 76ers weren't shooting their greatest, uh, you could just see that they were, they really wanted to win. So much that, you know, Joel Embiid, you know, shed some tears. I know he's caught a lot of flack for that. And I've also given him some flack for him crying on the court. But, you know, when you're at that level of competition and a huge point where, you know, you're emotionally drained and exhausted, I can definitely feel for Joel Embiid. But I think he doesn't give himself a little bit of justice when he's going around pro proclaiming himself as the best NBA player and also proclaiming himself as, you know, portraying himself as this tough guy that wants to muscle you out of the positions that you want to be in. So when you have that situation, it's definitely going to give yourself some clowning when you're on the court crying and just pretty much sh showing that vulnerability. But I do give him credit for that. But just going back to, you know, what happened to actually make uh, Joel Embiid cry, we had a situation where uh, Kawhi Leonard had a chance to ice the game and missed a key free throw down the stretch. And Jimmy Butler came down and tied the game with um, a, a two-pointer that was really, really clutch. Um, but we really didn't know how the game was going to shake out. Me and my father watching this game we thought that it was going to go to overtime but what wound up happening was that Kawhi Leonard took the ball we all knew the ball was going to Kawhi mm -hmm. but he went all the way to the corner and shot a fadeaway that bounced off of the, the uh, rim about five times and and it went in and when I've been talking to a lot of people about that shot and I have to say one of the questions that I thought about was which shot was, was better? Was that Kawhi Leonard Game 7 game winner? The only one in NBA history game winner at the buzzer. Um, is that better than that Damian Lillard shot that he shot? Um, Damian Lillard actually made that shot to send Oklahoma City home. But I think that when you look at this shot that um, Kawhi Leonard was able to hit, this has is more than likely if, you know, Toronto goes further into the playoffs, this is going to go down as one of the best franchise shots in history that Kawhi Leonard um, hit. Facts. 
he he was fading away with the outstretched Joel Embiid with his hand up, and, and that was truly truly impressive. But you know, getting up to this new matchup, um, Toronto having expended so much energy to beat the 76ers, now you're faced with the task of trying to take out the Milwaukee Bucks, who are arguably the hottest team in the NBA playoffs. Um, that game, game one, is going to be Wednesday at 8.30 on TNT. Um, I saw the line for that was minus six bucks. But I think that this has the potential to be a game seven uh, type series again. Um, when you look at what is going to be the X factor here for this Toronto-Milwaukee Bucks series, I think the huge thing, huge, huge thing for Toronto and Milwaukee is going to be the supporting cast for those teams. Um, when I looked at some of the stats, and one of the things that really jumped out to me about these two teams is that the Bucks bench is averaging 39% of the minutes for that team. And they're averaging 37 points per game on 48% shooting. Um, that's really efficient for someone that doesn't know the numbers as far as basketball. But when you compare that to the Raptors bench, they're shooting 30%. For an average of 21 points per game on 38% shooting. And I know a lot of the flack is going to go to Kyle Lowry for him not shooting. And I know he's a starter. But, you know, these bench players are going to have to step up. But when I looked at the, the stats from the Sixers in that last game, seven, only two players off of the Raptors bench actually played. And that was Serge Ibaka and Fred Van Fleet. Um I don't think that they're gonna. Be, that's gonna be sustainable, especially in this series against the Bucks, because somebody else is gonna have to step up. I mean, you got you acquired Jeremy Lin, and hopefully for some sort of experience that he's had in the past and his capabilities now, but he's got no opportunities. Um, you look at Norman Powell, who's somebody we looked at as one of those great players off the bench that isn't even getting any time. Um, so we all know what Kawhi can do. He's averaging 53% you know, percent field goals for 31 points per game in the playoffs. Um, the guy's been playing out of his mind. I don't know who can stop uh, Kawhi, um, but Giannis is right on the other side, shooting 52% and 27 points per game with 11 rebounds. So he's averaging a double-double in the postseason. It's going to be a good series. It will be a good series, but my big question is that Will Kawhi actually spend some time on Giannis? Because I think that one of the things that we saw and could take from that Boston series is the fact that Boston was able to, when they had success in winning that first game, they were able to get physical with the, uh, you know, they were able to get physical with the Bucks, And with that, the Celtics did get some success. So I think as far as with Toronto, they have enough physical bodies to throw at uh, Giannis to kind of make things a little bit uncomfortable. But in, in reality, I, I really think it's going to come down to Kawhi Leonard stepping up and taking the challenge. I remember Bar Charles Barkley had said that on TNT a couple uh, weeks ago before. But he said, who is going to step up and take the challenge to say, hey, I'm going to stop Kawhi because he can't just go out here averaging 40 points per game against uh, our team. Because I promise you, if Kawhi Leonard is going to stay you know, producing it the way that he is, I think that that's going to have a huge out, you know, huge difference as far as Milwaukee Bucks and what Giannis is going to be able to do, because I know that Giannis is the type to take that, you know, take that challenge to say, hey, I'm going to stop Kawhi, 
And that is going to be quite the feat for him. So that'll definitely affect some of his, you know, offense. And one of the things that we looked for before was that the Bucks won this series 3-1. But I'm still going to go with Toronto to take this game in, in, seven, in seven games because this series is going to be really, really entertaining. Um, the next series that I wanted to talk about that, you know, is actually going to be on tonight at 9 p.m. on TNT. But... It's going to be Portland versus Golden State. And these are two teams that definitely are familiar with each other. Um, Portland, this is their first conference final since 2000. So we definitely want to give a shout out to them. Um, they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Damian Lillard. Uh, we talked about earlier, he hit that huge, huge shot in Paul George's face. He mouthed him uh, from about <laughs> almost 40 feet out. Um, that was a tremendous shot. And then, in this past series against Denver, we saw the vulnerability with Damian Lillard and, you know, not having some of his best games. So I really look for this game to see if he's going to step out of that funk and, and have that type of success that he had leading up to, uh, you know, this series. Um, CJ McCollum, if nobody knows who this guy is, um, he said that, and I loved his interview afterwards, um, the reporter asked, you know, how how much does this motivate you going into the next series? And he said that he, he came from the mud, um, a guy from Lehigh that nobody really had on their radars. And he's consistently going out proving people wrong. And I think that that is going to be the key for the Blazers as far as, you know, ha how much do they rely on Damian Lillard? But the thing that makes Damian so dangerous is when CJ McCollum is playing as well as he is too. So we got a glimpse of that in game seven from uh, that Denver series on just how effective that mid range game that uh, what's his name has uh, CJ McCollum. But when I look at this, I truly think that this is still golden States uh, series to win. Um, when you look at, you know, these teams that are familiar with each other, um, they've met, two times in the past three seasons. And we have, you know, the Golden State Warriors that won 4-1 in, you know, the Western Conference semifinals back in 2016. And then you have in 2017 in the first round where the Golden State Warriors swept uh, Portland. So I really think that the Golden State Warriors have proven that they can win without KD. They've won it. They've won the championships before. So I really don't see Kevin Durant, even though he's such a great player. Um, I, I, I don't see this affecting Golden State in this series because what Steph has shown us, and I call him Super Steph because now you've unleashed the beast without having to defer to Kevin Durant. But we're going to start to see that strength in numbers that used to be the mantra in the old Golden State Warriors days come back into fruition here against the Blazers because it's going to take a team effort to take out Portland. Because a lot of times uh, these teams that haven't been to the conference finals in a long time or you know don't really have exceeded expectations, they're a lot of times happy to be there. But I saw a look on Portland's face with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. They have a lot bigger aspirations in this playoff round. So um, I think that experience is going to play a factor in this series. But uh, the one thing that kind of worries me as far as because I'm rooting for Portland. I really want them to pull out this uh, upset. But um, the thing that's kind of been their Achilles heel has been those scoring droughts that they've uh, sustained. 
throughout the playoffs. Um, when you look at that Denver-Portland series, the games you know, kind of were lopsided at some points because of the fact that Portland was having such long scoring droughts. And in the playoffs, especially against the Warriors, uh, you could potentially be in a five-point game, but in the span of like eight to, you know, eight to five minutes, you could be down almost 18 to 20 just because how quick that the Golden State Warriors can put some uh, points on the board. So Microwave points. I think with Golden State having the chip on their shoulder now um, because of the fact that they don't have KD and people are doubting them, I think that this is going to be huge for Golden State to have to play with this chip on their shoulder. And I think they're going to carry that momentum against Portland. Um, I love Portland. I, I love the way Damian Lillard is doing down there. But they have a really tall task ahead of them. Um, I don't want to say it, but I still am going to put the Warriors in five against Portland. I know that's tough. It hurts me because I love Damian Lillard. Um Actually, when we clinched first place in our bowling uh, league on Wednesday night, I had struck out in the 10th, and I took some of his uh, antics with, you know, Dame time. What time is it? (laughs) What time is it? I love Damian, and and I kind of got some... uh, Champion! I was galvanized from that. So um, what I will say is this, is that, you know... Portland is really going to have a, a tough time against Golden State. As much as I love them, I got Golden State in five. Um, I, I really do. I'm sorry to say it, but Golden State is going to come out here, and they're going to make Damian Lillard even more motivated and have <laughs> he, he's going to come back with a vengeance next year. But this is still Golden State uh, division to win as far as the Western Conference. And I just really look for them to move forward here. But they, they need to stay healthy because they can't lose any more players from that Golden State team. Um, but now since we're talking about you know teams and we just covered a little bit about the playoffs, we got to go to some of the biggest news right now. And that is this NBA draft lottery. Um, for some of these people that can't, See the uh, live stream that I have on Facebook. Um, shout out to Theo for tuning in. Shout out to my boy Peter. Um, shout out to Lewis who's also tuning in as well. But on the on the um, on the dot, I think it says seven thirty. That should be starting is that NBA draft lottery, Ooh. and it's been some of the 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 hottest talk, especially because I was in Newark today, and and we spent a lot of time with you know some of the security guards and talking about. You know, sports, which would I do a lot. But um, the number one pick, like I said in one of my earlier uh, one of my earlier podcast episodes, is that, you know, when the Knicks clinched the worst record in the NBA, they didn't really clinch too, too much because, yes, they have the highest chance, but they also share that highest chance with also the Phoenix Suns and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they each have 14% chance and... I know Theo's a huge Hawks fan, and he's been hyping this up, saying that the Hawks might swipe in and you know steal one of those top spots. But he is not wrong for thinking that because everything that has went wrong with the Knicks in these past few years and really decades, if you uh, want to talk about uh, it, but it's just been um, one thing after another with the Knicks. So I feel like me with a lot of most other fans are coming into this draft lottery 
we're we're um we're definitely happy for what the future holds, but it's also a little um worrisome as far as how far back could we potentially slide if we don't get this number one pick. Um, I think the general consensus from everyone is that if the Knicks get the number one pick, yes, we are going Zion Williamson. I think the Knicks front office with Scott Perry and they they would be hugely, hugely mistaken if they don't take Zion Williamson with the first pick. Um, we don't have Phil Jackson in the office anymore, Yay! so we won't We're have some of these. Uh, I guess would you say like risk takes? Um, with what the Knicks were able to draft uh, previously, with uh, you know getting Alonzo Trier um, undrafted, um, also getting what's uh, they getting Mitchell Robinson as high as they did. We have the talent scouts to put people in place now with uh, the front office with the Knicks, so I trust them with that number one pick. Um, I think if they do get the number two ball. It, it, it kind of would actually work out a little bit better for them um, with getting John Morant because that's – I have um, some some sources in the, the Knicks front office from, you know, when I've worked over these past couple years. And the general consensus within, you know, that front office is the fact of them saying that at the number two seed or at the number two pick, uh, they will get John Morant and they will try and go after him. Um one of the things that I love that Lewis Guerra actually commented in here is uh, to, to say for the people that are listening in on our podcast, on iTunes, on Buzzsprout, on Google Podcasts, um, on Spotify. One of the questions that he asked here is, what do you think of the reports of trading the number one pick for AD? Um, and one of the things that I have down here is that you should not trade any of the top two picks for Anthony Davis. Um, I think that the Knicks are a little hard-headed at times because they're not as patient as most franchises are because when we have the New York media, a lot of us are not really bought into the, the, the Philly way of winning, you know, losing purposefully for years upon years to get yourself right years down the road. That's just not what we believe in, I guess you could say. And that's what made this past season so difficult for the Knicks. But I think what you've done over this past year has really developed um, some raw talent. As far as uh, Kevin Knox, um, he from what he started at the beginning of the year, Deer the Headlights, to actually having a, a, a sense on the NBA handle of the uh, the game and the speed. I think that was huge as far as the development and speaks towards David Fisdale as a coach. Um, I think another thing that they were able to do was get Mitchell Robinson. I know a lot of people had no idea who he was, but just to show his growth from the year and being now one of the elite shot blockers, um, I think that you know if you're going to trade, you know, Anthony Davis for you know the top pick in Zion. They're gonna ask for Mitchell Robinson. They're gonna ask for Kevin Robinson. I mean uh, for Kevin Knox, and they're also going to ask for Alonzo Trier, who showed that he can be one of the best microwaves um, potentially that the Knicks have had since J.R. Smith. So it's gonna take a lot to get Anthony Davis if you trade that number one pick, and I think it's still not a lock even if you get him for a season because if you look at it. He's on that one-year contract, and now you're gambling on the fact that, yes, he's going to resign with the Knicks, but who can say what happens in the course of a year? And now, potentially, you could 
you know, trade the kitchen sink for a guy who can walk for nothing. So I think that uh, the Knicks should definitely hold on to the, the youth that they've developed because you don't want to spend so much time developing these guys just for another uh, team to just use for themselves. Um, I think with getting rid of KP and washing our hands clean of him, I don't know if for some people that saw, I know uh, Zeeshawn said that uh, he got beat up. So that was pretty tough uh, for people that didn't see. Um, some Russian people that were in the Kristaps Porzingis' home country of Latvia wound up hitting him uh, over the chair, uh, hitting him with a chair and leaving him real bloody. So some people still haven't gotten over the fact of Kristaps Porzingis leaving. But um, for me, I know that with Kristaps leaving, we've left ourselves with these two max contract slots. And when you look as far as what the Knicks are going to try and do, I know that a lot of people have linked Kevin Durant with Kyrie Irving and saying that they're a, a package deal. But in all honesty and in all fairness, the Knicks should not do anything as far as trading their youth away. Because we have spent an entire season of losing, not winning 20 games in a season, tying for the worst record in franchise history. We spent all that time developing these young guys it would be a travesty, and it would be a, a downright disgusting shame if the Knicks would try and do any sort of trading of the kitchen sink for you know AD or even LeBron. I still wouldn't do that. And, and the problem is, um, with the impatience that the Knicks have, uh, you just can't rule it out as a possibility. So we do have to check and see what the Knicks will do in this draft lottery. But it all starts with them taking that number one ball. And, you know, with a 14% chance of getting the number one pick, um, sharing that with two other teams and then having, you know, two other teams right behind you that have a similar percentage, um, nothing here is a lock. And they might really need uh, the, the luck from Patrick Ewing there to be able to <laughs> get that number one pick. Um, I think that... Even at the number three, even if they go to the number three ball, um, R.J. Barrett is still a pretty good uh, polished player for them that could help our Nick team. I think he, I've said it before that I thought that R.J. Barrett is going to be someone that can instantly affect you know an NBA team. I truly believe that, but I think that if the Knicks wind up falling down to the number four lottery pick um, and having to fend with. Cam Reddish or out trying to outthink themselves and seeing what is it they're, they're going to pick at the four seat or at the four uh, pick. Um, I think it would be a huge disappointment for all of that tanking that they uh, went through if they don't get anything from a one, two, or three pick. Um, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to see how this draft shakes out. And it all starts with tonight. Um, literally within a few minutes, we'll figure out and see you know, who is going to land the Zion sweepstakes. Um, but I think the bottom line with this, and if you know any NBA Knicks executives are listening in on this podcast, please do not trade our youth away. Have we learned from the Carmelo Anthony incident where we, traded, where we, do it. Where we traded away Wilson Chandler, we traded away Danilo Gallinari, we traded away Raymond Felton, who was in the best shape of his life at the time. It, it, it's... You got to learn from the mistakes. Part of the reason why they teach us history in schools is so that history does not repeat itself. 
So I truly hope that we can hold on to these assets that we've then developed in Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, and Alonzo Trier. Um, I feel like these are guys that we should not trade to try and shoot for the stars, to say. Um, Zion is a must. Shout out to Christian Carr because he's 100% right. Zion is a must at the number one pick. And I feel like anything less, we're settling. Um, but we're going to have to do what we're going to have to do. If we don't get that number one pick, uh, at the number two, we can still get John Morant. He, I don't know if anybody saw the quote that he said, but uh, he said that instead of being called a point guard, he's a point guard. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I think that's a pr- I think that's a, a, a guard that I would love to have in New York City. So number two pick will still be all right. At the number three, we'll be okay with R.J. Barrett. But I think that the, the bottom line for us Knicks fans is let's get that number one or two picks because yes. that's going to help our future for many, many, many years to come. And I think as far as to attract those free agents with KD or Kyrie or Kemba Walker or Jimmy Butler. We need to, we need to, need to have something to show for it to, to bring these people in. And I think uh, Zion Williamson is a lock to get some other free agents in if we are getting that number one pick. So tune in to that uh, NBA draft lottery and definitely tune in to the Golden State Warriors Blazers game that's on tonight because it's a good night for basketball. Um, And that about does it for our show today. Um, I'm especially proud because we were, we experienced, you know, extreme technical difficulties. Um, Hell yeah. The thing, you know, we don't even have a mic right now because the microphone hasn't been working. Um, You know, as far as recording sound back, um, we haven't been getting the feedback. We had to old school it. Um, If you know from our first couple episodes, we were recording off the laptop mic. So I hope we're just going to keep fighting. We are going to keep fighting. um, That's been our mantra for the bowling, and it's also been our mantra for this show. Um, We just got to keep fighting. Um, So I hope that our listeners out there appreciate. um, Bear with me on the sound quality because... I know it might be a little chotch, but um, I hope we were able to still deliver you a, a, a great show that you, you hopefully it was a little bit insightful for you and can ha- help to make you uh, ready for these playoffs and, then, talk that talk. and ready for that uh, NBA draft. So we got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Um, we got to start out with VW Liquors located on um, Wick Plaza in Edison, New Jersey. We always do this for Dave. Let's go Mets! Let's go Mets! Shout out to Dave at VW Liquors. Um, and shout out to Executive Bar and Restaurant located at 30 Menu Street in Carteret, New Jersey. I bartended the party for Big Daddy Kane and that was one of the, the dopest parties that I've ever you know bartended. They have great food, great drinks. If you're ever looking for a great time, please go shoot over there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Then we also got to give a shout out to our sponsor, um, Cody Bromley at 91s.com. Uh, he has some of the best acid wash apparel in the game. Um, you got to support people that are doing things for the right reasons. Um, you know, personal entrepreneurs. That's what we're doing with this show. We're starting something from the scratch, ground up. And that's something that uh, Cody's been able to accomplish. So definitely check them out at 91s.com. Um, the code is ACID20 for 20% off the entire site. Um, 
And as far as any other anybody else, uh, we're also we're always open to having new sponsors. Um, if you want to be a sponsor on this show, you can reach out to me at bhsports45 at gmail.com. And, and, and let's connect. Let's see if we can uh, get some, sponsor, some more sponsors on this show. And we always want to give a big shout out to our viewers out there. Without this show, I wouldn't have, you know, a, an audience to talk to. Um, and you are that audience for me. Um, for a lot of people, you're tuning in every week. I appreciate you. For our new viewers, I appreciate you. And for the viewers that haven't listened yet, but kind of want to, you know, see what's going on. What's the newest buzz? Um, we're always going to be here every Tuesday, 7 p.m. The Talk That Talk show is going to be here. And hopefully by next week, we'll have these def- those, uh, technical difficulties sorted out. And I got to have this uh, celebratory beer with my dad. The 11th episode is done. Um, I'm going to edit this footage. Um, we're going to put it up to Buzzsprout so that it can be uh, viewed shortly. So bear with me, and we'll have this 11th episode up and running for you all. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Barry Holmes. This is the Talk That Talk show. Talk That Talk! Every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Technical difficulties, we don't care. Don't miss it! We are still coming. Work!